All right, kids. Saturday morning. Hopefully you had a long, long four-day weekend last weekend. You partied hardy. You had a good time. Hopefully didn't blow off a finger or two. That's all good. Now it's back to reality. Next week, normal work week. You went out last night, Friday night. You just went crazy again, and now you have to deal with the maestro. It is time for Sports Frenzy, the weekend edition, here on Saturday morning, July the 8th, 2023. Going solo this week, my call. Dave is more than willing, more than happy to do this one, but uh, I just needed a little bit of downtime, a little bit of relaxation, needed to space things out. Wasn't prepared to jam-pack two podcast episodes into a six-hour span. So you get what you get, and it's going to be awesome anyway. So sit back. Hope you got a jug of water next to you, a jar of aspirin. Hopefully you got some nice greasy bacon sausage cooking up in the kitchen as we discuss the best and the worst in pop culture this past week. Now, as always, we start off with music, because rock is king. Going to try to play it a little bit safe here, save some of this stuff for Dave for next week. Again, it's my bad, my call. I apologize. I don't think any of you out there are really screaming and yelling about the fact that I'm going to push our review of Aaron Jones's new album, Chronicles of the Kid, back a week. So Dave and I can review that together. He, of course, was the one that kind of got me listening to Aaron Jones. I will save my discussion points. Now, two albums in to his major label career. And I will let Dave chime in next week. So what does that leave us? Well, that leaves us a lot of new music in terms of songs. Some of these, yes, I was going to review with Dave, but he's going to have to catch up on some of this stuff. Because I cannot wait for these first two song reviews. Of course, two of my favorite bands. Let's start off with the second single from the upcoming New Hives album, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons, Countdown to Shutdown. And if you guys haven't figured it out by now, I am a Hives fanatic. I've seen them live in concert at the House of Blues in Orlando, Florida. The energy that they they convey, it is rare. I mean rare. They just are a power-packed, adrenalized. All the songs are three minutes or less for the most part. They're spitting. They're moving. They're all dressed alike. If you've seen their videos, you know what I'm talking about. Now, let's see if they have that same energy now since it's been a decade since their 
their last album. Let's see if we get a chance to see them on tour. If you get a chance to see them on tour, if they still have that same energy from 20 years ago when I saw them. But Countdown to Shutdown might be even better than the first single, Bogus Operandi. Of course, the videos, you got to check out both videos. I will say the video for Bogus Operandi is better because of it's an Evil Dead homage that is just brilliant. And yes, we'll discuss Evil Dead Rise here in a little bit in our movie segment. Now the video for Countdown to Shutdown is more about corporate America, corporate life in general. I guess it's not technically corporate America. It's probably filmed overseas, but the greed, the attitudes of the stuffed shirts, it translates across the globe, across the pond. But the song itself is just fantastic. It has got a great, nasty bass riff that just sucks you in. And the Hives are great songwriters. That's what people don't give them credit for, is the fact that if you listen to the lyrics while you're banging your head and dancing and moving and grooving, there are some very witty, sly lines in almost every Hive song. They've got the narcissistic thing down pat. As they have always talked about, they know they're the greatest band of all time. And we're just lucky to be living in their world. But Countdown to Shutdown is just another welcome return, a welcome blast of rock and roll fresh air from the hives. I would give it three and a half frenzies. That's how much I think of this song. Borderline four. I'm telling you, borderline four. That's how good Countdown to Shutdown is. Cannot wait for the new album. I think right now we're about a month and a half away, roughly. And the other big new release coming out in August, of course, is Mammoth 2. Second album from Mammoth WVH, fronted by one Wolfgang Van Halen. Now, I'll admit I've been a little disappointed here lately. The second single, Like a Pastime, was probably the weakest Mammoth song I have heard so far. And that includes bonus tracks on that Japanese reissue garbage he pulled not happy with him about that you guys know that though when he reissued the first album barely a year after the initial release with bonus tracks that were included overseas but not for us in america because we're not good enough and no i did not go out and buy the entire cd again i did download the three tracks Now here we have Mammoth 2. 
which started off so well, so promising with another celebration at the end of the world. And then, like a, like I said, like a pastime, just not up to the level we expect, the level of excellence we expect from Wolfgang and Mammoth WVH. Now we get a mix bag with the third single, Take a Bow. Oh, what a tough song for me to review. Number one, if you're not aware of this by now, he plays his father's original Frankenstein guitar through the original Marshall amps on the guitar solo. I mean, the whole song, but the guitar solo is what stands out. It sounds like eerie, spooky. He's channeling his father, Eddie Van Halen. The guitar solo is just creepy good. The rest of the song... Uh, it's okay. A little bit better than like a pastime. But still, again, not up to that level we've come to expect after the brilliant debut album and the great first single off the second album. I will give Take a Bow because of the guitar solo. I'll give it three. I'll give it three frenzies. For me, that's a weak grade for Mammoth WVH. That's the kind of high standard I hold Wolfgang to. All right. We were talking about reviewing some Rick Springfield. I will review one of the two singles, the two First singles off his upcoming album, Automatic. I will save the title track for Dave and I to review next week, but I will talk about She Walks with the Angels. Good Lord, could you jam-pack any more production, technical, mumbo-jumbo garbage into a song than th this song has? She Walks with the Angels has anything and everything you could ever want. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean, it's almost like at one point early on, they're mimicking Steve Vai's whistle guitar from the classic David Lee Roth song, Yankee Rose. Oh, but it's just, it's all over the place. You've got overdubs, you've got the canned female back backup singers. You've got, you know, cliches in the lyrics that hearken to this and to that. And it's just way too much. Way too much. Could be the most overwrought, overdone song I've heard in ages. Tone it down, Rick. Tone it down a little bit. You're trying too hard. You are trying way too hard here. She walks with the angels. I will give a very weak two frenzies to. All right, let's discuss Paul Rogers. 
Of course, Paul Rogers, best known for his time with Bad Company, but he spent time as a front man for Queen and, of course, the supergroup The Firm. He's got a new solo album coming out. The first single is Living It Up. You listen to this song after about 30 seconds, it's got a very rock-steady feel to it in, in mood, in tone, in tempo. But it's good. I didn't mind it. I thought it was okay. It was a nice, nice return to form for Paul Rogers after always trying to be the front man for somebody. Got to be the front man for Jimmy Page. Got to be the front man for Brian May and Queen. How about you just go back to being you? Yes, hearkening back to the band that made you. Bad Company. And that's what living it up really sounds like. It sounds like a return to form, a return to that Bad Company sound. So I'll give it a solid two and a half frenzies. And finally, in our reviews for the week. I have saved Dave the torture of listening to this song. I don't know why I did it to myself, to be honest with you, but there is a part of me that somehow, someway respects Dolly Parton for following through on her word that if she were to be elected and inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that she would put out a rock album. And we've talked about this. Now we get another release from the upcoming album featuring Rob Halford of Judas Priest. In a way, this has got to be kind of bittersweet for Rob Halford because whereas Dolly Parton got elected in, voted in, by Rob Halford's peers and the members of the panel on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They had to settle, Judas Priest had to settle for this special award, Contributor Award. And now he has to, doesn't have to, I'm sure he was fine with doing it, do a duet with Dolly Parton. Should have been the other way around. But of course, that's the bass backwards, stupid dipshits at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for you. Anyway, the song is Regrets. And yes, I have many, many regrets after listening to this song. It is a bizarre, as you would expect, a bizarre amalgam of country and heavy metal. Dolly Parton, Rob Halford. Could have seen that one coming a mile away. Not a very good song. Is it the worst thing I've ever heard in my life? No. I will say maybe, possibly, I would say I like it a little bit more than Rick Springfield's song. Again, the Rick Springfield song is just, it's a headache-inducing 
mess. Everything in the kitchen sink, throw it at the soundboard, throw it at the engineers, put it in the song. So maybe possibly I liked Regrets by Dolly Parton with Rab Halford a little bit better, but I'm still giving it only one and a half frenzies. It's not good. It is not worth your time. It is not peanut butter and chocolate. It is peanut butter and motor oil, okay? Stay away from regrets. Do not have regrets by listening to it like I do. All right, so you've got five songs this week. Hives, definitely number one. Mammoth, number two. I'd go Paul Rogers, Dolly Parton. Rick Springfield bringing up the rear. And of course, we'll catch up, as I mentioned, with Aaron Jones next week. The full album, Chronicles of the Kid, with the Conquistador back in the fold. And of course, that second single, the title track from Rick Springfield's upcoming album, Automatic. Now, the big, huge music news that broke today as we tape on July the 6th is that the Eagles have officially announced they are embarking on their farewell tour. Now, I'll give them credit, at least up front. They're saying it is the quote-unquote long goodbye. And they have already said, we will be touring all through 2024 into 2025. So at least they're admitting it, like KISS. They're admitting, we're going to stretch this sucker out as long as we can. And you guys know this now up front. So maybe if you can't get tickets for the first leg, the second, the third leg, we'll come back around at some point later on. Steely Dan will be opening. I can't I can't imagine Steely Dan's going to be opening all the way through 2024 into 2025, but you never know. 13 dates have been announced so far here heading into the end of 2023, and I have my eyes set. My ears, my eyes, my heart set on a date in mid-October in Indianapolis. I have never seen the Eagles. I've had a couple opportunities that I have let slip through my fingers, mostly because they're greedy bastards and charge way more than anybody else for their concert tickets. Of course, now Bruce Springsteen has taken over that mantle. I won't count Taylor Swift. But... Can't wait to see how much tickets are going to go for, for the long goodbye tour with the Eagles. I will try. I am going to try my best. One last shot at seeing Don Henley, Joe Walsh, and the surviving 
substitute members, Vince Gill, of course, Timothy B. Schmidt. It's the best you're going to get now with the Eagles. Tickets go on sale July the 14th for the first 13 dates. But if you're anywhere near Indianapolis, don't don't bother. Don't try. Don't try. You shouldn't try to buy tickets. Stay away. Because I want my tickets. God damn it. All right, that's going to do it for segment one. Music is over. But of course, we have movies, we have TV and streaming, we have dumbasses. Even got a little bit of news about news. Politics. We're going to try to fit a whole bunch of weird, wild, wacky, cool stuff in this week. Don't have Dave around to restrain me. I'm just kidding. He'd be fine with it. Wrestling. We have to recap WWE Money in the Bank. All that and more coming up. Quick promo break here on the weekend edition. While I'm away, go grab your eggs and bacon. Bring that greasy plate back to your lazy boy. Put your headphones back on and get ready. I will be right back in just one minute. Stuck in a no-win situation? Wife being held captive while your feet bleed? Take a second to decompress. Pull out your smartphone and listen to Sports Frenzy 2.0 on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. And don't forget to check out their Facebook page. The maestro and the conquistador will take your mind off your dire predicament and give you the best non-PC sports commentary you'll find anywhere. And once you compose your exit strategy and take down some German terrorists, you'll want to yell, yippee Kai Sports Frenzy 2.0! All right, everybody, welcome back to Sports Frenzy 2.0, the weekend edition. I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. Switching things up a little bit, we're going to do TV and streaming next. Usually we hold off on that till the third and final segment, but got a lot to talk about when it comes to the shows that I've been watching. Of course, Dave will catch up next week and let you know about the shows he's been watching. But you know, segment two is always a time where we have to tell you we're obligated by law, podcast law, to tell you where you can find Sports Frenzy 2.0 each and every Thursday morning and Saturday morning. Don't forget to check out the Thursday morning sports edition as well as every Saturday morning what you're listening to right now, the great, the glorious weekend edition. And you can hear us on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Apple, Overcast, CastBox, Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, and for about six more weeks, 
Stitcher. So sad to see Stitcher go away. No, they didn't dump us like a bad girlfriend. They're shutting down completely. Very sad. But if you love Stitcher, you're still going to be able to find us till the end of August. August 29th is when Stitcher is shutting down. Don't forget to check out the Facebook page. Always on the Facebook page, you will find links to every episode of this podcast, whether it's pop culture, movies, music, or the sports edition. All right, as I mentioned, let's move into TV and streaming. And we'll even talk a little bit news. How about that? But I have my review of season two of Paramount Plus's rebooted Beavis and Butthead because episode 12 just aired last week, the 12th and final episode for season two. Abduction and Sleepover were the two, what, 10, 12-minute episodes, if you want to call them that, vignettes. Love to hear how they would handle that word. <laughs> vignetti. It's a vignetti. Not the best way to end season two. Neither of these two, Abduction or Sleepover, were really all that funny. The premise for Abduction had potential, didn't really follow through, and Sleepover was just stupid. Um, I have to say, overall, season two of Beavis and Butthead, not quite as good as season one, which, with this type of show, you can expect... I mean, they burned through a lot of good ideas in the original incarnation. And yes, times change, culture changes, so they've had some different things to put the boys through. And it's still enjoyable, don't get me wrong. Beavis and Butthead is still extremely funny, but it's a little more hit and miss now, especially than season one was. So I will give season two of Paramount Plus their reboot of Beavis and Butthead three frenzies. Now, I promised you that I was going to keep you updated each and every week. I'm savoring it. I'm only doing one episode a week because there's only five episodes in season six of Netflix's brilliant Black Mirror. So season six, episode three, Beyond the Sea. Pretty much long enough to be a movie. Comes in about an hour and 20 minutes. Josh Hartnett and Aaron Paul of Breaking Bad star as astronauts in 1969 on a space mission, a long space mission, multiple years up in space with just the two of them. But as is always the case with Black Mirror, technology takes things one step further. So in this alternate reality, 
these astronauts in 1969 are able to transmit their consciousness down to robot-like replicas so they can still spend time with their families, their wives, their kids, enjoy the time with them so they don't go absolutely nutsy, cuckoo, crazy, cooped up in a small space capsule for years and years together. Of course, early on, things go wrong. Horribly crazy type wrong. In a brilliant way, by the way. Very well done. First part of Beyond the Sea. This leads to complications, which you can kind of see coming. That, that was my big problem with Beyond the Sea, is it's fairly predictable what's going to happen after the initial impetus, this initial shock that we get, this great and glorious pop culture shock that we get that alters the future for these two astronauts, even though the events that happen on Earth with their robot replicas. Those events are really the ones that matter. We get an open-ended ending, which I'm not the biggest fan of in the world. We don't get a straight, strict ending. So, again, not the biggest fan of that kind of stunt I can see why they went there. I can see why they did it. But again, I'm still not the biggest fan of of leaving things open. We're not going to get a sequel. We're not going to get part two. It's that whole melodramatic, you decide what's going to happen next to the characters. We'll leave it to the viewer's imagination. Kind of a cop-out. But now, overall, was it worth watching? Absolutely. A a mediocre episode of Black Mirror is better than 95% of the garbage that's on TV or streaming. So even though this is not my favorite episode of Black Mirror, this season has been good, not great. I will still give Beyond the Sea three frenzies. We got two more to go over the next two weeks, kids. Now, I played catch up with your favorite comedy and mine. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Now, of course, your Uncle Dave can't stand it, won't give it the time of day. To a point, I understand where he's coming from. Most of the time, Sonny is hit and miss, very hit and miss, good episode, bad episode, funny episode, cringeworthy episode. This season started off very, very well. Like I said, I played catch up here. I am through episode five of season 16. Episode five was bad. Episode 5 was really the first really bad, bad episode. Now, the one where Frank 
acted like a dog and was shooting everybody wasn't much better but episode five all about celebrity alcohol and of course aaron paul again for the second time here in this segment makes an appearance along with his breaking bad cohort brian cranston as guest stars as the boys try to rope in those Breaking Bad stars to sponsor their alcohol. Set up an alcohol brand with famous faces pushing it. Now, was it abysmally bad? No. Charlie, of course, saves a day. As they they brainstorm at one point, trying to figure out what kind of alcohol should we push? come up with something a little different and of course they decide that the two classiest alcohol brands beverages out there are Jägermeister and Goldschlager so Charlie decides he's gonna come up with Nickelschlager instead of little flecks of gold he's going to slice up somehow nickels and put nickels into a jar of booze and of course he ends up drinking a ton of it setting off metal detectors hilarity and chaos ensues again not the best episode ever but great idea behind the episode now if you remember before i wrap up my update with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Remember, your Uncle Dave and I talked about a scandal in chess. I believe it was late last year, involving the possibility that a a chess prodigy was using vibrating anal beads to cheat. Yeah, guess what? It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia decided, let's just steal that outright and use that in an episode. So that would be episode four of this current season. So I encourage you to watch that one. Very funny, but oh so wrong. And of course, when season 16 wraps up, I will have my full and complete review. Now it's time to talk some wrestling. I can talk a little bit longer about it now. Don't have to worry about pissing off your Uncle Dave. Money in the Bank was last weekend, July the 1st to be exact, over the pond in London, England. I wasn't impressed with the lineups for either the men's or the women's Money in the Bank matches. I figured for sure on the women's side that Becky Lynch would walk away with the briefcase. She did not. That one shocked me that EO Sky of Damage Control got the Money in the Bank women's briefcase, which means she can cash in at any time over the next year for any women's title 
she wants. I unfortunately think this will be an unsuccessful cash-in. They like to brag about how the vast majority of men and women cash in successfully. I don't think this is going to be the case. I can't see EO Sky as the women's champion. I just can't. Now, she unfortunately doesn't have the options that the men do. She can't go after the Intercontinental Championship. She can't go after the United States Championship. So she's kind of stuck with the one belt she can really go after on the women's side. Unless she goes to NXT. That I could see. The way they've been crossing the brands lately. That might be a possibility. She might go back to NXT and win the women's NXT belt. On the men's side, a pleasant surprise. Now, I wanted L.A. Knight to get the uh, the briefcase, but my second choice was Damian Priest of the Judgment Day. He got it. I'll say this again, just like I said with EO Sky, I don't see Damian Priest challenging for either Seth Rollins heavyweight championship or Roman Reigns universal title. I just don't see it. I could see him possibly, possibly getting the intercontinental title away from Gunther, most likely beating Austin Theory for the U.S. championship. I believe, if memory serves, Damian Priest has already held that title. Now, we know about the breakup of the bloodline. I'm not going to go on about that. We knew that was coming. It was just a matter of time. Now, I believe it's already happened as this hits Friday Night Smackdown on July the 7th, featuring the trial of Roman Reigns, the tribal chief. Can't wait to see that. But other stuff from Money in the Bank. The women's tag team title match was abysmal. And the writing, yeah, the writing, let's admit it. We all know it's fake. The writing was lazy. And I saw another example of lazy writing this past Monday night on Raw. When I say lazy writing, I'm talking about just having things come out of nowhere without any kind of background or buildup. So Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler had the women's tag team belts. Fighting former tag team champions Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan. Out of the clear blue with no rhyme or reason, no sense of tension in any press conference or any Q&A leading up to Money in the Bank. Shayna Baszler backstabs Ronda Rousey, clubs her from behind, beats her up, leaving her to get pinned so Raquel Rodriguez and Liv Morgan can take back the belts. How about a little bit of story buildup? How about a little bit of a hint that there was tension between the two? It just came out of the clear blue. 
That is not good writing when it comes to wrestling. It's a cop-out. It's a sellout. And then Monday night, this past Monday night, Seth Rollins comes out to talk to the crowd, and they bring out Cody Rhodes. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. Cody Rhodes finally going to take that next step up. We've been waiting for it. He's going to get one of the titles, either Roman Reigns' title or Seth Rollins' title. No, no. They just decided, let him interrupt Seth Rollins so then we can bring out Brock Lesnar and Lesnar and Rhodes can go at it yet again. Again, do they have a new creative team at WWE? Because this new creative team, if that's what's causing this lazy, bad writing over the last week, they suck. They need to go away. It has to have some semblance of sensibility behind it. It has to have sanity behind it. You can't just randomly make people do things out of the clear blue for no reason at all. Great writing and wrestling involves buildup and drama. Now, I almost, almost put John Cena in my Red Foreman Weekend Edition dumbasses. Because we've talked in the past about John Cena and how he apologized to China. I believe it was leading up to not Fast 10, but the Fast and Furious movie before that, because he dared to say, Taiwan is a country. Ooh, China didn't like that. You don't say that. China thinks they own Taiwan. And of course, because China owns Hollywood, John Cena, like a little bitch, had to post an apology. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to imply that China was not basically the ruler of Taiwan, to paraphrase. Well, now he's at it again, Mr. All-America. And I love him in Peacemaker. Don't get me wrong. But he is such a, a see-through pussy. And all the good he does, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, he's phenomenal when it comes to helping these, these kids with cancer, giving them hope, fulfilling their dreams. I hate to bash on a guy like this. I hate to bash on John Cena. But when you pull that crap with China and Taiwan, and now... You sit there and you go out in front of the, the Money in the Bank crowd, don't have a match, and you sit there for five, ten minutes and rant and rave about, we should have WrestleMania in London, shouldn't we? Screw America again. Screw America again. Screw what's right. Let's not give it to America. It's like the Super Bowl. Nobody wants to see the Super Bowl overseas. Yet, of course, we know the greed. The rumors are that at some point, Roger Goodell is going to announce there's a Super Bowl happening overseas in a foreign country. But, of course, WWE 
their big spotlight event once a year, just like the Super Bowl. Let's have John Cena, the sellout, fire up the London crowd and say, hey, let's bring WrestleMania over here and fuck over America yet again. These companies, these sports entertainment conglomerates, they will never, ever learn. Alienate your fans in America. See what happens. All right, yes, I said I was going to mention the news. Big news at Fox News. You know, normally I wouldn't talk about this unless they did something really dumb, really stupid. But Geraldo Rivera leaving Fox News, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. And then, of course, if you want to shift to politics, no, not politics in America, but politics overseas. You remember the whole Brittany Griner debacle that we ranted about for weeks and weeks and months? And we told you, we told you, Dave and I told you not to do it. Brittany Griner fucked up. She didn't pay attention to the rules in another country. I'm an American. I can do what I want. No, Brittany, you can't. And that's why you spent all that time incarcerated in Russia. And, of course, they used you and used Joe Biden and used our stupid media to fire everybody up and say, bring Britney back, even if we have to give up the merchant of death. Well, guess what? The merchant of death has come out of his little hidey hole ever since this prisoner exchange. Victor Boot, the merchant of death, is now going to run for regional legislature in Russia for a far-right party. So stupid. So, so stupid. You can call it benevolent. I call it stupid. The government would never do anything like that for you or me. They still got Marines over there. Ex-Marines who are still incarcerated and they couldn't get them out. But Joe Biden, the great, the glorious Joe Biden, let's get the lesbian WNBA player back and give up the merchant of death to do it. So now the merchant of death potentially running for political office in Russia. And the way things are going over there, he could end up, being in charge of everything when all is said and done, because you got assassination attempts, coups. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that Russia's weak right now, but mark my words, letting Victor Boot go back to Russia is going to cost lives. 
Sorry, didn't mean to get that heavy. But we're not done yet. One segment left. We have got to talk about movies. Horror movie, but not the one you're expecting on tap for segment three. And of course, we've got to talk about moments of silence and pop culture dumbasses of the week, kids. The maestro's not done yet. One segment left, and I will be right back. In a world of politically correct sports coverage, two individuals stand alone as the last bastion of sanity. The maestro and the conquistador star in Sports Frenzy 2.0, the podcast. Available on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Apple, Overcast, and CastBox. All right, everybody, let's bring this puppy home. Time for you to get on with your weekend. Hopefully your headache, the dry mouth, the upset stomach is residing as you get over your hangover here on Saturday morning, July the 8th, 2023. I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Glad to have you aboard as always with the weekend edition of Sports Frenzy 2.0. We have done music. We have done TV and streaming. It is time, of course, for movies. Now, Dave and I promised a review of Evil Dead Rise. Technically, sort of, kind of, the fifth movie in the series. Really, the second in the rebooted series. We're going to do that next week. I'm holding off. Deference to my my compadre, my best bud. Again, this was all on me. Next week, Dave and I review Evil Dead Rise, but I have another horror movie to review for you. Wasn't going to leave you hanging. I have got a review of The Retaliators on Amazon Prime. Starring Michael Lombardi. Who? Who? Well, when I started to watch The Retaliators, I'm like, I know this guy. I know you guys know this feeling. I know this guy. I know this actor. Why can't I place him? Had to do the old IMDb search. But of course, Michael Lombardi popped up, was member of the cast of one of my favorite shows from here about a decade or two back, Rescue Me. He was the kind of brain-dead youngest member of the crew, Dennis Leary's firefighting crew on Rescue Me. I'm like, ah, I got it. Now I can move on and watch the movie. So Michael Lombardi stars as a man of the faith, a man of the cloth, trying to shepherd his flock in the best way he can. But early on, unfortunately, his daughter, one of his two daughters, meets an untimely demise at the hands of a member of a local drug gang. So, 
where does this man of peace go? Does he take the path of retaliation and vengeance? Does he turn the other cheek? A police officer enters his life to try to help him track down the killer of his daughter. And then, of course, things get weird. And I am not into spoilers, so I'm not going to spoil anything for you. I will say this. The Retaliators is a bizarre cross between Death Wish and The Hills Have Eyes. Take that for what you will. You can question the character's motives all you want. You can question the acting. The acting is not necessarily all that good. The the heavy metal band Five Finger Death Punch, the members play prominent roles in this movie, as well as Tommy Lee of Motley Crue makes an appearance. Dante from Kevin Smith's Clerks movies makes an appearance. In the end, this movie could have been a decent, solid B movie. I just think it lost its way in the second half. Didn't know where it wanted to take the characters in terms of their motivations, their morality. And it just gets a little weird. (laughs) Let's put it that way. It just gets a little weird. It's very bloody. Um, So I know things have gotten a little bit lax here in recent years in terms of letting kids watch more violence younger and younger. I would definitely recommend this is a hard R. I don't let anybody under the age of 17 or 16 watch this sorry i'm old school there are some r-rated movies that aren't that bad where i think any teenager it's okay for them to watch this is not one of those movies again interesting to a point as i am kind of a connoisseur of horror movies uh, but I'm also very hard on them in that if, you, if you're not giving me something new and different, I'm not going to recommend it. So it's very hard for me to recommend a horror movie. And I cannot recommend The Retaliators. Is it awful? No. Is it good? No. I'll give The Retaliators two frenzies. And again, I guess if you're a fan of Five Finger Death Punch, maybe you'll like it a little bit more than me. All right. It's time to move on to Moments of Silence here in our final segment, as we always do. We talked about Money in the Bank with the WWE. At least to me, a little-known wrestler from about two decades ago, paralyzed, 
partially paralyzed, finally succumbed, and passed away. Darren Drozdov. If you're a, a rabid, diehard WWE fan, you probably know who he is. I consider myself a fairly knowledgeable wrestling fan. Never heard of the guy. But that does not mean we, we're not sending out thoughts and prayers to his family and his friends in the WWE community. One of the greatest music videos of all time, going back to MTV. Oh, how I love to talk about MTV. My favorite way to waste four or five hours a day every day after school watching MTV as I like to call it back then, our nation's radio station with visuals. One of the greatest videos of all time, a song in a video that propelled the Jay Giles band to worldwide fame was of course, Centerfold. The director of that video, Paul Justman, passed away here recently. Thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of Paul Justman. Another name that you're going to say, who, what, who, but still very influential in the world of music. George Tickner. Again, you go, who, what, maestro, who? I'm just getting over my headache and you're trying to give me another one. George Tickner was actually one of the founding members of Journey. Appeared on their first album and I believe contributed to the next couple after that. Of course, this is back when they were just finding their footing course journey was an offshoot of santana with neil sean and greg raleigh this was before of course you had the mega mega popularity with steve perry and jonathan kane but yes george tickner was a founding member of journey and unfortunately he passed away here within the last week or so thoughts and prayers to the Journey family. Then finally, of course, great actor. Fantastic actor, Alan Arkin, passed away. Tricky to, to pinpoint a particular role that you could say he was really well known for. The first thing that pops into my head, even though it's not one of my favorite movies of all time, but it's more recent is Little Miss Sunshine. But do the, the IMDB search like I always do, and you will see all the great movies that Alan Arkin was in. And of course, now it's time to do that unfortunate pivot. As Ross Geller would say on Friends, pivot from being mournful 
to calling out the stupidity in the world of pop culture. Yes, it is time for the Red Foreman Dumbasses of the Week. (coughs) Getting choked up about it because it means so much to me as it should to you. All right. You snowflakes out there need to settle down. Now you've gone too far. We all know I'm not a big fan of James Cameron. I am not a big fan of the movie Titanic. But for the love of Christ, are we really going to go on a social media crusade because Netflix decided to bring Titanic back onto their streaming platform July the 1st? It's only one of the biggest movies ever made. But because, of course of the mini-sub that imploded, taking lives. We can't do this now. It's too soon. It's a very sensitive issue. Oh, get over your goddamn selves. Get over it. It's a goddamn movie. It's not like they added on footage at the end doing a dramatic recreation of the mini-sub imploding. We are way too sensitive in this world. And all you idiots out there who are protesting and crying and whining about Netflix bringing back Titanic, you're all dumbasses. Now, of course, we talked about Politics, albeit overseas. Wait, we're going to stay overseas and stay with politics. A term that I don't know if I love it or I hate it is optics. What are the optics here? Does this look good? Does this look bad? Optics. I understand it. And if you're in the public eye, If you're a celebrity or a politician, you have to worry about optics. Well, French President Emmanuel Macron doesn't care one damn bit about optics. Because while there are protests going on throughout France, shit getting burned, People getting hurt. He had to be shown on social media dancing at an Elton John performance in his own home country. Let them eat cake. Nero fiddles while Rome burns. And Emmanuel Macron will dance to Elton John while France falls apart. Dumbass. Optics, Emmanuel. Optics. Speaking of optics, in a more simpler way, coming back to the United States, I assume it's the owner maybe the manager of a subway in 
Rincon, Georgia. A Subway sandwich shop. Of course, we all love Subway. But tying into what we just talked about with the people getting upset about Titanic coming back onto Netflix, that is ridiculous to get upset about that. This you should get upset about because this is just a dumbass move, again, by the owner, the manager, whoever was in charge out front on the subway sign, you know, the part underneath where they put their little messages, they'll tell you, come in now, two subs for $10, whatever it might be. Some genius, again, tying into the mini sub tragedy, puts on there, our subs don't implode. I'm usually all in on a good, uncomfortable joke. Political incorrectness, run amok, I'm all for it. But this, this is a little much. Okay, let's not go there. On a sandwich shop billboard or sign putting our subs don't implode, that's just being hurtful and mean. And whoever was in charge, you're a dumbass. See, we have a heart. Sports Frenzy has a heart. You can go too far. In this situation, in Rincon, Georgia, they went too far. Speaking of going too far, the hippy-dippy loony nutbags at Ben and Jerry's on the 4th of July decide to put out a press release. Don't you think it's about time we gave back our stolen land in the United States? Don't we think it's time? Shouldn't we admit that we are all living on stolen land, including, of course, let's start with Mount Rushmore. And isn't it awesome when these hippies, these loony lefties, make these bold proclamations, but you know damn well they're not going to be the first in line to give up their land and give it back to the Native Americans who they say we stole it from. I got news for you, people. In your little powder puff world, human beings suck, okay? Human beings take from each other all the time. They have done it throughout the years, the decades, the centuries, the millennia. Land acquisition is part of human nature, human culture. Invading, trying to make a better life for your people by taking over the land of other people. Am I saying it's right? Absolutely hell no. But it happens. And the fact that we always can, can perpetually bitch and piss and moan and cry about it, my favorite way to handle stuff, get over it. Get over it.
Move on. Let's make the world a better place without living past indiscretions, whether it's slavery, whether it's colonialization, whatever you want to call it. Get over it. Move on. Live your life. Make a better life. Stop living in the past and stop asking for us now to address wrongs that were done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Move on! For the love of Christ, move on! If you, if you couldn't tell, I'm officially declaring Ben and Jerry's a bunch of dumbasses. A pair of dumbasses, but the company themselves, a bunch of dumbasses. And I have a proposition for a new flavor for you. How about Sports Frenzy 2.0? And you open up the carton and there's nothing inside because we don't want to do business with assholes like you! Speaking of assholes, dumbasses, Michael Imperioli, you might recognize the name from The Sopranos, more recently The White Lotus Season 2. We all know everybody got pissed off again, touchy-touchy, snowflakes out there. They didn't like all these Supreme Court rulings that came down. Don't get me started. Affirmative action in schools is just fighting racism with more racism. That's not the way to solve the problem. But I digress. But that ruling, among others, set off another wannabe deep-thinking Hollywood star. So Michael Imperioli said, I forbid, I forbid bigots from watching any of my shows. That would be a neat trick to see how you could do that. How are you going to forbid anybody from turning on the White Lotus or the Sopranos? But of course, you have far-reaching Hollywood celebrity powers, the likes of which we've never seen before. And of course, he had to clarify his statement later on, a couple days later, because he realized in retrospect that was kind of a stupid remark. Yeah, and the fact that you tried to backtrack on it or had to explain it makes you an even bigger dumbass. Then finally, for a little bit of fun to wrap up the weekend edition, if you haven't heard, they found cocaine in the White House. <laughs> Insert your Hunter Biden joke here. Is it really kind of a dumbass? No, it's not technically a specific dumbass. But Hunter Biden, you know that's the first name that popped into your head, and he deserves to be a dumbass every day, every week, every month, every year, along with his father, and they both deserve seats 
on the Sports Frenzy Plane of Doom. I think your Uncle Dave would be proud of my dumbass segment this week. And if I offended you, get over it! I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Glad that you stuck through all of this with me. I probably got your hangover headache to return with all my yelling. But these idiots just bring the worst out in me. I'm really not a bad guy. To most people. Seven days from now, your Uncle Dave will return. As I mentioned, we will review Evil Dead Rise. We will review Aaron Jones' Chronicles of the Kid. Apologies for delaying those reviews a week. But I think I gave you some pretty good reviews as substitutes. Don't forget to check out the Sports Edition next Thursday morning. And again, seven days from now, your Saturday morning hangover cure will return. Sports Frenzy's Weekend Edition. I'm the maestro. I'm out. Bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da, bumba-dee-da. Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to you until we meet.